Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is a Tactical Tuesday. Practical advice, tips, insights, and guidance on your journey to becoming a clean energy entrepreneur or professional, whatever it is that you have set your heart to in helping advance the clean energy transition. Our Tactical Tuesdays are practical, short-form conversations with subject matter experts to give you the tools you need to take on the next challenge. Many, many, many of you are in the business of storytelling, whether you realize it or not. And as you'll hear from today's esteemed guests panel, storytelling is at the heart of moving the energy transition forward. So I gathered a few of my industry expert friends on our Power Up Live stage a few weeks ago in Las Vegas, namely Scarlett Chepke, Senior Communications Manager at Solve Energy, Palavi or Lavi Singla, the Senior Marketing Manager at Next Tracker, and Tom Warrick, Marketing and Stakeholder Relations Lead for North America at EDP Renewables. The four of us had quite an interesting and lively conversation where we delve into such areas as how do you identify the target audience for which you are creating content and telling a story? How often do you need to revamp the very personas that undergird this process? What does that messaging entail? How do you capture these stories from your team and make it personal? What does it look like differentiated among EPCs or developers or manufacturers? How do you even find a good story? And of course, we integrated into campaigns and talk about different audience metrics, as well as chat GPT and other AI forms of improving and enhancing our overall marketing strategy. I promise that storytelling is a key skill you have to master. And today you'll hear from some of the folks that I feel are mastering it in very specific ways and helping advance the narrative of our industry. If you love conversations like this one, well, you're in the right place, especially if you've never listened to Suncast before. Hope you'll make it all the way through to the end and give us a true assessment of how it lands with you. And if, of course, you've listened to many, dozens, maybe even hundreds, we've got more than 600 episodes in our back catalog. You can find them all over at mysuncast.com. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Everything in history comes back to the story that we tell. So today we're going to talk about how that story really matters to move product and to move people towards our goals, our goals of mass proliferation of renewables, right? 
a peaceful advancement of the energy transition. I am joined by truly some of the folks in the industry whom I admire, look up to, and seek advice from when I'm curious how to tell a better story or where I should look for examples of great marketing and great storytelling. The brands represented on the stage today have moved billions of dollars in gigawatts of product and loads and loads of communities towards a sustainable, renewable future. And all of it comes back to great marketing. It really does, doesn't it? I'm joined on the stage by Tom Warwick from EDPR. Good to be here. Thanks, Tico. Lavi Singla from Next Tracker. Excited to be here. Thank you. And Scarlett Chepke from Solve Energy. Extremely, extremely proud of Scarlett for having her first appearance on the stage. Lavi, is this your first? Yes. Lavi's as well. Tom, you're old hat. I'm old hat. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so look, since the beginning of time, the story we tell is how we move as a community, how we pass our heritage along. It's culture to culture. It's how we've populated the world. But we're increasingly in a six-second world where people just don't pay the one thing that we want, which is attention. And if you're a marketer, you often are thinking, how do I communicate that message? A lot of marketers fall into focusing on features versus feelings. And not a lot of storytelling, if you're familiar with how stories are told, really dig into features. They tap into emotions. We're going to talk a little bit about how, as a corporate marketing strategy, you can tap into storytelling today. And I want to start at the beginning, which is understanding or knowing your audience, right? You've built brand pillars. You've tried to come up with your key message platform. How do you figure out who the audience is? That's the key. That's the key crux. So, Lavi, I'd love to get a perspective from you on what does it look like to build out this, the audience that you're going to develop your marketing campaigns around? And maybe how often is that evolving and changing for you? Absolutely. So, target markets are at the core of what we do, and they're the foundation over what we are building our marketing strategies. And personifying these target groups is one of the key things that we do in my experience at Next Tracker. Personifying and understanding what do these different target groups mean for our business. But the most important thing on top of it is what you just mentioned is the evolution. It's amazing how our our target groups are evolving and ever-changing. So ask this question to yourself. Are you re-looking and re-evaluating your target groups every six months? Because that's how fast every these six people, months. every six months, that's how fast people are changing, people are I feel are like evolving. it takes six months just to create a persona. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so by the time you're done, you restart. You're a full-time staff doing personas. It's just like you... Kristen's like, this is your persona person. Yes. And, <laughs> and just to add to that, the final thing I would add is, one is your customers, right? You're yeah. always creating target groups based on that. But there's one component of your target groups, which is communities. Yes. Yeah. And that's the most challenging part of influencers. Who are the people influencing your business? Really understanding what those influencers are and evolving with those influencers because your business is changing. So is your personas and so are your influencers. Anything to add? Yeah, and the communities, I say, rightly so, are becoming smarter and smarter. You know, no longer can you as a developer, you know, we're, we're a top five developer in the country. No longer can we go into a community and spout off bullets of, you know, hey, this is helping your economy. This is doing, you know, mm. X, Y, and Z. You know, they're looking for an emotional connection to it, right? Yeah. So I think with us, um, just building off and riffing off what you just said, 
It is about showing the, you know, trying to find those stories in those communities, doing that through town halls, doing that through community meetings, and really getting to know community leaders and, and you know, really teasing out those stories that um, I would say spark emotion in the community and spark a passion and a pride in the renewables projects we're building. Because at the end, at the end of the day, if you don't get communities on your side, you've yeah. already lost the project, yeah. even before day one, before you drive any steel into the ground. So well, driving that. that emotion, finding those stories in those communities yeah. and, and amplifying those stories really is what's important for us. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I would add on to that. Um, we're an APC contractor. So we're out in the small rural, rural communities building projects. Sometimes it's about creating the stories. Um, we have a community relations group that goes out and gets our, mobilizes our project teams to go out and get involved in the community, do uh, volunteering work and uh, work in the local schools with STEAM education and uh, then figuring out how to tell that story, share it with the community to let them know what the impact of these solar projects and their community is. But I think what's really important, Nico, is that all three of us here in our different roles as APC, as a developer, as a technology provider, right? It shows you that you need a whole team to work together on this. Yeah. This can't just be the developer working on this. It has to be everybody in the supply chain working together in the communities. But at the end of the day, we all benefit from yes. greater education on renewables in the community level. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on something, Tom, that I think is really key to defining the key elements of good story. And you said, make it personal. You know, as we build brand pillars and we go through all these exercises on personas and key message platform, we can get buried in the lingo and the formality, which is important. And we can get lost in capturing data and forget that at the end, at the end of the day, there are key elements of a good story. You mentioned make it personal. I wonder, do you guys have other examples of sort of the the cornerstones for you of what it means to to develop a good story it is a partnership you know for us our mentality is listen we're as a developer going to be in this area for 30 40 50 years with our yeah. projects right and as a result you have to be a good neighbor and you have to see what really at the heart of uh, what's at the beating heart of the community right what really drives the community in their aspirations where do they want to go as a community uh, and a lot of it is workforce development training yeah. right and and seeing having that community see their future in your project mm. right um, you know, one of the things, you know, Sandhya um, Ganapathy, our CEO, spoke uh, yesterday and opened up the conference. And she mentioned a story where one landowner went to her and said, listen, if, it, if I didn't have the one project on my property, I wouldn't be able to send my kids to college. Wow. And I got to send all three of my kids to college. And I think stories like that, um, also stories of folks in the coal industry yeah. who said, hey, you all came in. Mm. I was scared. You know, mm -hmm. we thought our livelihoods would be taken away, but actually you gave us a, a new lease on life. Yeah. And a new lease on a, on a technology and, a, and an industry that can give us passion and energy back into what we're trying to do. So, again, it is trying to find those stories and, and really connecting with the community that's ground level. Yeah. 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 And it really does. It, it evolves. It changes depending on what you bring to market. You've talked yeah. about project development. We have two other providers that are EPC and product, right? Manufacturing. I think that there are few in the industry, if any, that do as good a job on uh, on sharing the value of local manufacturing as Next Tracker, you've opened what 15, 20 factories in the last couple of years, a lot of them here locally. I'd love to hear from the two of you the differentiation that you see and what are the elements of a good story from the perspective of an EPC versus a manufacturer. I, I love that story, Tom. That makes so much sense and it resonates so much to what Next Tracker is doing and, and trying to achieve. It's heartwarming when we go to these small towns and these manufacturing units are open mm. and we talk to the workers that are working there and how a single job impacts their whole life, mm -hmm. including what school their children go to, 
what food they're able to afford for themselves. And after taking all of that, the awareness and the passion those people have for solar or renewable is absolutely mind-blowing. We just amazed at these stories. Uh, there was this woman we met in Pittsburgh. She, uh, she's a, a worker at one of the manufacturing units that we have. She's a mom. She's a single mom. And she's so passionate about what she does. And, and she's so proud that she's related to the renewable industry. Yeah. And her son is so proud of his mom for doing that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stands out to me, and I think, you know, we've talked about Scarlett for, for Solve is, you're bringing up elements of story that tie back to work that's been done. I think a lot of folks, they don't get to see behind the scenes the incredible work that goes into capturing mm -hmm. the essence of what this project or this uh, manufacturing facility are doing in the community. Scarlett, how with so many, you have so many employees at Solve, how as the, as the marketing uh, lead, how do you think about actually capturing those stories because that sometimes is the bottleneck. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. We're all over the country. Um, we are very fortunate, Solve Energy, to have a phenomenal photographer um, who can travel across the country and go to our job sites and build relationships yeah. on site. He was just telling me before I came up here that he goes to job sites and they are excited to see that he's there, that they're he's going to take pictures of their project that they take such pride in and that we're going to share the story of what they're building in that community. Yeah. Um, we have work in over 30 states at this point. So, you know, there's a lot of stories to tell. So really, our employees feel honored when, yeah. when they get highlighted. So. And do you have in-house creative as well? I mean, it's, it's amazing to see that you have in-house media capturing the content that you can deploy at will. You don't have to go find someone in this or that town. You also have in-house creative. We've been house creative. Yeah, we have some um, graphic designers. But like you said, the, the challenging point, the bottleneck is often finding those stories. Yeah. And it's about finding allies on different project teams mm. across, the, across our business. And then especially even on our safety team, finding those people yeah. that travel to all of the different projects that know people in all regions of the country. And, you know, just keeping in touch. It's all about building relationships. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're not trying to make more work for no. them either. No. Have, have, have you guys come up with novel ways to capture the content? I mean, you're sending out, that's, that is a novel way. You hire a, a photographer full time, but are there other ways that you've been able to co-opt folks in the field and, and encourage them to send content in? Well, I, I would say um, tons of videography, right? And we're in a world where you have 60 to 30 seconds uh, to put mm. together a video, right? To connote a story, to get a point across the screen. Um, also, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits and other groups, uh, Rise, um, there's also Grid Alternatives. Um, there's CLI. There's so many groups out there also that are looking to tie in this messaging, right, to make their own um, nonprofit missions alive. And that, that kind of partnership also helps mm. to pull together those stories and make them relevant, right? So I think it's, it's these partnerships and also just partnerships between partners uh, yeah. on a project, right? We've done lots of work with Beta Engineering and other vendors of ours on yeah. those stories in Louisiana coming out of hurricanes. This is how renewables has really helped the community, right? So I think finding those stories and, and finding those partnerships to make those stories alive is mm -hmm. just as important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to add to the component of finding stories, as a global company, we've done road trips across countries mm. like Australia, mm -hmm. Brazil, traveled from one city to another for over a couple of months. Hiring a photographer is a really small component of story finding. Yes. 
it's about finding those people in every town and finding how they are getting impacted with solar in their town. Right. We have so many tremendous stories in these countries. There's an 84-year-old farmer who had lost everything, but then he gave away his land to lease out for a solar farm, and now he's living comfortably. He's wow. so happy. Yeah. We have a woman who started supplying food to a solar farm in Brazil and eventually ended up opening a restaurant. Wow. It's, it's beautiful. So it just takes time to connect with your local construction managers mm talking to them, and then finding those few people and then visiting them and, and talking to them. Hey, if you're looking for a way to maximize the ROI for your next utility project, I would like to point you to SunGrow's new SG4400 modular inverter. This new innovative solution will reduce capital and operating expenses because it arrives already on a skid with a step-up transformer. It's built using four 1100 kW modules so that if one of them fails, well, the other three keep powering right on through as the DC and AC protection are completely separate between the modules. You can learn more about this fantastic new product and more at mysuncast.com forward slash sungrow. In a world where lots of solar technology providers seem to blend together and have little differentiation, it truly is necessary that you are able to dig deeper, get more resources and tools, and have more breadth of opportunity to learn and share with your core partners. Trina Solar is leaning in to the many requests for the Trina Hub, the new global partner portal dedicated to giving partner training courses and certifications, as well as a full asset library of pre-built and co-branded marketing resources for channel support. I'd like to encourage you to try Trina Hub for yourself. See how it helps grow your solar business and develop or enhance your digital marketing ecosystem. Learn more and sign up today at mysuncast.com forward slash Trina. I'm curious, you must have, you know, just from this show alone, we're going to generate about four terabytes of data from the podcast stage, uh, which candidly probably pales in comparison to the quantity of content that is fed into the machine that's creating these stories. Tom, how do you integrate all of the stories? Because you actually, yeah. you're lucky in that you've got folks that are really bought in on your development team. They send you content all the time. It's akin in many ways to the Resi folks that have their installers sending pictures, right? Like you guys have a ton. How do you integrate it into campaigns and how do you filter it? Yeah, no, it's it's a very good question. I, we we filter it through themes, right? Mm. There's different themes like workforce development, right? Community uh, relations, community build out, right? Mm. Rural communities versus urban, right? We have a distributed generation business, right? Yeah. So we have different stakeholders, you know, urban stakeholders versus rural, right? So those mm -hmm. are two different uh, subsections. But it goes back to I think what uh, what everyone's spoken about before. You have to go back to the customer. Yeah. What does the customer need, and our and what do your stakeholders need? And it's both internal and external stakeholders. You know. These stories, as much as we love getting out there in the world with these stories, they also empower our own employees, right? These are, this is why we get up in the morning mm. to do our work. Yep. And especially if you're attracting talent for yeah. talent acquisition reasons, people today, especially Gen Y, Z, all the gens, right, are looking for a job where they're creating impact. Yeah. And I would say in many ways, these stories also help mm. to attract the talent we need to take us to the next, uh, to the next level, right? 
Um, but yeah, it's all by themes. To answer your question, we divide That's... it up by themes. We then try to figure out, okay, how do we apply those themes to the stakeholder groups we're trying to communicate to? And then what mediums are the best mediums? Yeah. Is it Facebook? Is it social media? Mm. Is it YouTube, right? Um, more and more people are leaving Twitter. Yeah. LinkedIn. You mean this X. Is, exactly, X, exactly. <laughs> Even LinkedIn, right? There's a big debate about what's appropriate on LinkedIn anymore because right. it's become almost like a Facebook for those of us that are 40 plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Nico is, posting about shoes and swag. I mean, about people taking their kids to school on school, taking their kids back to school. You know, I, this year I've seen so many mm. family pics, right? Yeah. I think coming out of COVID's really changed the concept of, of how we can really stretch LinkedIn. And, and yeah. it's all about balance of, you know, a well-rounded balanced person, right? Well, that yeah. brings up a question I have, and I think it'll tie into the next piece, which is part of what we do as marketers is be, uh, we have to be sleuths, right? We have to look for the stories that we don't get from our team that we can pick up from local media, that we can pick up from social media. I want us to think about, there's kind of a bifurcation of the audience. And I want to go start with how you maybe utilize stealthy tactics to find stories that your own team is pushing onto. So maybe they didn't even check in and say, mm -hmm. I, I posted this on social media. Do you have a social media policy that helps you capture stories? Do you filter and, and, and decide who posts what? I'm curious about that. And I'd love for you to expound on that, Scarlett, specifically around this bifurcation of the audience, because we've talked a lot about storytelling as it pertains to our customers and who we want to attract to the company as people who buy our services or products. But one of the key things that we have to attract in this industry is talent, right? Which means we've got a bifurcated audience as marketers. We have to serve our internal customers and our external customers. So first, the filter of social media. And then how do you think more broadly about the internal versus external audience? Social media wise, I mean, we just want to kind of set an example from the top down. So mm. creating content that people are excited to share. And I mean, with all of us, people are excited to share things that feature themselves, yeah. um, that <laughs> talk about the work that they're doing. Right. So, you know, we always just want to celebrate the victories that we have at Solve Energy and the things that people can see and not see. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that does mean talking about internal uh, campaigns and initiatives externally because we want people that are potential uh, job seekers to know that we're always looking out for our people. We're always looking out to make people more engaged internally there. Um, you know, I, what was the next question? I, yeah, I think that, oh, yeah, <laughs> I think, well, that, 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 that touches on, I'm wondering like how you filter if you're, if you're encouraging the, the team about things they could post, or if you're sort of filtering and searching LinkedIn to find things to highlight and, and push out. Yeah, so so we definitely um, sometimes even send out suggested things that people yeah. could share. Um, that's a super easy way to do it. And mm -hmm. another thing that we do internally is um, myself and my team, we look through for employees who are doing a great job uh, sharing our news and sharing their own successes yeah. and celebrating others on social media. And we actually just send those posts out to other people, mm -hmm. encourage our own people to go amplify those, like those, share them. Um, and that's been really successful. Lobby, how do you think about internal versus external uh, customers, so to speak? Internal, obviously, is your teammates and how you have to engage them. External is something that we all have thought we think the predominantly about. It's actually very similar. Mm. Uh, from a marketer's standpoint, they are your customers. Yeah. And they are constantly working. They're constantly engaging and there's so much noise everywhere. Yeah. It's filtering out that noise for them and then feeding them content that's really valuable to right. them, equally valuable to both these customers that you just mentioned. We 
we do also promote internal communications to go outside yeah. if they're they're not sharing anything that's IP or yeah. confidential. Mm-hmm. And anything that we see externally, we share it with our, our internal customers. Mm-hmm. Hey, we came across this, this something we loved. We would love for you yeah. to go and talk about it. And to answer your second part of the question, how do you go to social media? Well, there is a constant research that our entire team does going through different social media channels, what's being talked about, how does it connect to our brand pillars? And if there are stories that we're working on that are connected to our brand pillars and other people Mm -hmm. are talking about it, that's your best moment. Grab it before it goes away. Are there any particular tools that you guys have found that help make that easier? Well, there are multiple. Uh, We've used uh, the social media tool that you use to post that also helps you filter out. Mm Uh, we do have some internal tools for organizing our content yeah. that we use. Can you can you guys, I'd love to hear like specifics around how you've built your the tools around capturing and syndicating the content. Are you using things like Hootsuite or other other tools? Yeah, definitely Hootsuite, Sprinkler. Um, Sprinkler. There's a new uh, tagging system that we just, uh, that we're implementing right I'm now on all of at... our photographs, right? So to your, to your points, we take thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of photographs, right? And then good luck sorting through all of those, right, for different situations, right? So we have a new tagging system where we actually tag, we put filters and tags on all of our photography. So that way, if I'm searching, okay, I want to see some, uh, you know, a technician with a helmet and safety glasses uh-huh. on, right, following ocean rules, boom, yeah. we can p- punch that out. So Fantastic. we're using those kinds of tools to, to help us just, I would say, just catalog all the information because that's half the battles cataloging in. And then, uh, and then using the technology to our advantage, right, to push out as much marketing as we can. Sprinkler, I love it. Social listening for those that aren't aware. I'd not heard of Sprinkler, Tom, dropping some... Uh, this, is, this is the kind of stuff we got to share, right? We're on the vanguard. We have yeah. to help others catch up. So I, I hope that actually we'll get some folks coming up to us later and saying, hey, have you thought about this? Have you done that? In that, li- in that light, I would like to know, generally speaking, as with personas, marketing tactics, but they start to fizzle and fade. So I'm curious, going into Q4 and thinking about the next year, what is working for you and kind of what stopped working? I think what works is the the minute you personalize and make it about the employee, not about the technology, right? Mm-hmm. Technology is cold, no matter what the technology yes. is. But if once you ascribe it to a person and their achievements, like you said, I, I like very much, Scarlett, what you said about uh, personal milestones and celebrations of, of employees' um, work. You know, I just had a technician on the ground at one of our farms come to me, and he's been on Instagram as an Instagram sensation doing safety uh, oh, wow. catches and saying, hey, I want to partner with you on how do we educate people in the industry on safety catches, no matter what company they're a part of? And I think that's kind of where you, you apply the storytelling to industry leadership right. that helps everybody. And you make it about that person, this one technician who grew up in this community, who's now working for us on one of our wind farms and sees this as a future, right? And he wants to educate others and help others. Right. That's what I think attracts people and, and takes it out of the noise of, of all the other news out there. But that's just an example. But yeah. that's where we're seeing, I think, success is applying it to people, applying Absolutely. it to our employees. Yeah. Lovey, what's working, what's not? Absolutely. Um, agree with everything that Tom said, but I'm going to add a little spin to it from a product and technology standpoint. Yes, focus on features, focus on, on product specifications is really important, but where's the value? Yeah. Are you really breaking down the value that a customer is getting from your technology? Right. If you're not, you failed. Yeah. And it's very elementary, mm-hmm. quality over quantity. Yeah. The moment you start chasing quantity, you'll start seeing your quality go down and yeah. down 
And that's why you need to do quality control and bring up your quality levels. Yeah. So Seth Godin, uh, ever the, uh, the sage for short quips, says, you know, really, when you're doing marketing, you got to look at each piece and ask yourself the question, so what? Yeah. So what? And then distill it down to the so what? Scarlett, what's working? What's not? What have you stopped doing? Um, we, like it or not, do not put the focus on solar. We put the focus on our people, yeah. um, just with the communities that we're going into you know, people know what they know about solar or mm -hmm. they're against it. Um, you know, there is value in educating people on what is true and what is not. But from my experience, the best way to do that is through the story of somebody that they know mm. and what a job on a solar farm means to them and what it means to their family and what a, how a school has benefited by a big project being developed in their area. And, you know, all of those we, we have a saying that good energy has a ripple effect. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is that ripple effect that the solar project itself starts? Yeah. Well, as we wrap, I would be remiss if I didn't ask a question that I know is on most marketers' minds. And, and I'll just say it this way. Isn't AI wonderful? Isn't it just the perfect addition to our marketing stack? Tom, don't you agree? No. <laughs> I'm very old school. Um, uh, you know, for the for those of you in the audience, I'm 43. I hate and I detest AI right now. Aside from operations and engineering and design and layout, okay, there might be mm. some kudos there for AI. But from a marketing point of view, I had the other day a colleague from from our people's and operations uh, team, our people and culture team, come up to me doing a description, and she's like, "Listen, look, I just popped this into Chat Chat GPS, and this is what popped out." And I read it and I'm like, oh gosh, this needs to be filtered a lot. Like, yeah. what's the audience you're going towards, right? How are you addressing this? It talked about being green and it, it was like almost this poetic lullaby about being green and going yeah. green. And oh, yeah. I, I was just like, I just, I'm like, how did you pull this together? You mm. know? And she said, chat GPS with a smile. And I'm like, please let the marketers do the marketing. Um, and uh, maybe later on when chat GPS, you know, has all the information it needs to still gather to be a little yeah. more eloquent. Maybe, but I'm I'm a very big, again, operations, design, engineering, obviously in others, other divisions, I can see value. But yeah. right now in marketing, please don't, don't, don't approach me with AI. No. Gotcha. Yeah. I, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I, not to be a Debbie Downer, I'm hoping, though, that's the first thing I'm hoping answer, we can be a little yeah, contentious yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lavi, I would love to hear your perspective on it. I agree and disagree. Very diplomatic. With yes. <laughs> uh, Switzerland I, over in here. In my opinion and experience, yeah. uh, it could be uh, talked about. Yeah. It really depends on what is it that you're trying to mm -hmm. achieve. <laughs> Marketing operations, there is a lot you could do and make yeah. AI your mm. best friend. That's right. Templates. To give you an example, think about your next month's calendar and there is a new uh, content pillar that you're working towards and you really don't know if people are talking about it or not. Use an AI tool to research what people have been posting, what right. people have been saying. Yeah. Get data because data is so important even in marketing. Yeah. Collect all of that, mm -hmm. gather all of that in one place. Yeah. And then for creative writing, you don't have to go to AI. That's right. Do it yourself. Mm. You have, I'm sure, very smart people in your team to utilize their skills. Yeah. 
identify the parts where you're able to utilize it to your advantage Mm. and you would actually have a lot of value. Yeah, I would would absolutely agree there. And what I hear you saying is creative from a copy perspective can get a lot more attention and time if you leverage AI to help surface the research that you would otherwise spend Mm -hmm. that time mulling away at. Yeah. That's one way of definitely like ad copy. It. I think I can see AI being valuable for initial ad copy, yeah. riffing, ideas, right? yeah. Yeah. And yeah, ideas and stuff like yeah. that, and going, okay, this might take us in direction A versus direction B in terms yeah. of campaign messaging. Okay, Girl, are, you, I'll old, give you that. are you old I'll school like Tom? I was Team Tom, but I think that I might have switched <laughs> sides. Um, and it definitely sounds like I just need to expand my um, AI horizon a little bit. I love this. Uh, yeah. My next email to you will be generated by AI. We'll see how you like that. Yeah, okay. we'll see. All right, we'll all see. Right. Well, yeah. for, for, what it, for what it's worth, in the last three months, we have used all of the AI that we can get our hands on. And I am incredibly impressed and intimidated as a marketer by what AI means for us as an industry, right? I don't think that AI will replace us. I do think that it will replace those of us who don't learn to integrate it into our processes. Prompt engineering is already becoming a a, a degree. Mm -hmm. AI prompt engineering. I mean, if that is something that we have to pay attention to as marketers, and the great thing, as Lavi really pointed out, is the ability to use a tool to save you time in the research phase, templates, what is, it, what is this or that happening in the, in the marketplace? Actually, try asking ChatGPT or Bard, how do I tell a story? What are the core elements of a story? What are the best mm-hmm. examples of a six-second story? What are the best you could ask all kinds of questions, right? It is infinite, but prompting is an art. I've invested heavily in our operations team trying to figure out that art. Just keep us lean because that's the other thing, right? We talk about there being a, a talent shortage yeah. and you can leverage uh, these tools to give your existing team more leverage, more time. Well, and, Anika, and to your point, yeah. I think in, in storytelling, it's all about asking the right question. Yes. yes. Oh, that's a great way to tie it off, Tom. Thank you very much. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And yes, Tom did after the conversation come up and shake his head saying, I know it's called chat GPT. So before you guys all go throwing digital stones at Tom or making fun of him for saying chat GPS, it was a stressful day and a stressful moment. And I watched him flail in uh, trying to figure out why chat GPS sounded so wrong. Um, he knows it's chat GPT. Tom, love you, man. Uh, and also Lavi and Scarlett and Kristen Kirsch at Next Tracker for helping put all of these fine folks together. I'm so grateful when I get to share the stage with you all. And I'm so grateful that you have stuck around, listened to through that entire conversation. If you'd like to see what that conversation looked like, you can check out that and all of the other Power Up Live activities because they are not only captured in their 4K high definition format over at suncast.live, but partitioned into the individual sessions. Thanks to the amazing team at Suncast Media who helps bring all of this together and make it happen. I want to say... Thanks as well to our sponsors who help make sure the show is free each and every week to you. So all you have to pay is your attention. All you invest is your time, which we know is not insignificant. Thank you.
for doing that. I hope you'll come back on Thursday for another one of our long-form executive profiles. This Thursday, we're going to feature one of uh, my favorite people, Nan Pimentel from SMA. You won't want to miss out on that conversation. Make sure you're subscribed so that the next episode will show up right in your podcast player feed. You'll get notified. Hit the bell or whatever it is that your app requires so that you are notified the next time we publish. And I'd love it if you'd give us some feedback. You can do that through our listener survey at mysuncast.com. It's fairly obvious to find it if you are looking for it, and it would mean the world to me. And of course, the easiest, probably least friction way that you could show us your appreciation is a five-star rating and enthusiastic review in the podcast player that you are using if it allows you to do that. Uh, Certainly, Apple Podcasts and Spotify do have their own version of which you can do that. So I appreciate if you would take that action. If you can't find it, well, you could go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and it makes it super easy. Takes less than five minutes. Truthfully, you've already invested more than that in listening. So I am so deeply grateful that you have stuck around this long. And as a result, I want to remind you that you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.